says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Tip Sheet Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. Joining me in it for another week of Parramatta and NRL Talks, my good mate, 60s. Well, we've got a bit to talk about this week, mate. Got to cram it into a pretty quick episode, but it's going to be uh, a little bit of news, some previews, review, uh, reviews, previews, uh, all in the one. Let's get into it. How are you doing? Oh, mate, it's... You know what? I'm actually going to be glad once we're past this early in the week matches because Another Thursday night kickoff. Yeah. <laughs> oh, mate, trying to squeeze, trying to squeeze everything into the midweek when it comes to a preview, especially when it. Uh, we've still got the weekend ahead of us with uh, junior reps and lower grades, so. Mm-hmm having the NRL happening earlier in the week, it doesn't help when you're trying to pump out the content. It probably doesn't help that the Eels don't seem to have a great record of playing on a Thursday. (laughs) I I mean, I I probably need to dig historically into that. I just don't have too many fond memories of Thursday night football. I really don't. So maybe someone can correct me on that. But yeah, it feels like it's a bad, bad history. So anyway, mate, we better get into it rather than rambling too much. Um, just uh, just a quick couple of mentions before we get into the the reviews and previews and any news that's floating around. We will be live from five fifteen p.m. tomorrow afternoon in Jack's Bar and Grill. So people that are coming along to the matches, uh, there's. I know there is a lower grade match, so our appearance does clash with the New South Wales Cup. But we are in Jack's Bar and Grill live from 5.15. Come in there, have a feed, have a bit of a listen to the footy talk that's going on. And uh, also, for people who are at home, we are, technological problems aside, uh, hopefully we don't have any, we are going to go live with a, an audio stream we'll have a blog via up. YouTube. Yeah, we'll have a blog up on the website with a link to the YouTube stream. So just keep that one uh, on tab and you can play along or listen along as we do the preview or the, the live venue preview from Jack's Bar and Grill. That's right. And also just a mention because we've got a very big Saturday coming up at Combank Stadium for the Junior Rugby League. So the junior Parramatta Junior Rugby League have their season launch this Saturday. And to coincide with that, from 1pm in Combat Stadium, they've got an under six fun day. So if you have a child who is a registered under six player in the Parramatta Junior Rugby League, get along to Combank Stadium. Every registered under six player is invited to attend. You get to tour the stadium. You get to see the change rooms at the stadium. You get a team photo taken. Uh, you get to meet some NRL stars. And you also get to run out onto the field through the tunnel, just like NRL stars do. And besides all of that, they've got things like face painting and balloon artists and some of those fun inflatables. There's um, passing and kicking games and a whole lot more. So get there from 1 o'clock. 
on Saturday and, uh, yeah, get have your kids have a bit of fun as part of the Junior Rugby League season launch. And can I just also mention, mate, that I was up at NRL training last night and, of course, that coincides with some of the training of the Kellyville Bush Rangers. And I'm just mentioning the Kellyville Bush Rangers, not as, uh, you know, any sort of bias towards them or anything like that at all, because we've had the opportunity to meet and speak with so many mm-hmm. great junior clubs already. But I just wanted to I just wanted to make mention of seeing the training there last night. Um, reason being, I think it was it's probably indicative of what's happening out at a lot of junior clubs. So the really uh, the young ones were training there last night, and uh, there was uh, kids there that were learning the the tag aspect of the game. Um, which their their season kicks off with. And obviously the kids are out there having fun, but it's that the community aspect. I saw so many mums and dads that were there watching their kids training and there were um, fold-out chairs and blankets and people mixing together and all the things that we found out about Junior Rugby League and that community aspect of it with uh, being a, a way that brings people together within the community. It was all there in evidence last night. So can I just say that anyone that hasn't um, registered their kids for a junior rugby league club and you're you're thinking about it, everything that I see when I'm going out there and seeing junior rugby league training and, and games and things like that, it is all about the community. Everything that we've spoke, all the clubs that we've spoken to, the emphasis that they place on not so much creating the the next NRL star, but really just making an impact in the community and and helping young people to become the best people that they can be and being really good uh, citizens. And I think, you know, I'm lucky enough I get to see some of that in action from time to time. So, yeah, just wanted to give that a bit of a plug and, um, yeah, get involved in rugby league. No, fantastic plug, mate, for one of the best causes out there in terms of what we're in for, mate. Junior Rugby League, the lifeblood of the game. So always happy to give them a bit of a nudge in terms of a shout-out. Let's move on to our next segment, which would be the news. I'll hit the buzzer now. News team, assemble! A short but serious segment this week, 60s. Uh, we start on a very sombre note with the passing of rugby league great Johnny Sattler, age 80, and uh, unfortunately has passed away this week. Sattler, of course, one of the great tough guys of the game, famous for playing that grand final for Broken Jaw, pretty much the entirety of a grand final for Broken Jaw, which is just unfathomable. But uh, back in our sort of one of the South's heydays, South Sydney Rabbitohs, that is, their heydays. And yeah, he's... Uh, Carved out his legend in the grand final. His son would go on to do the same thing in 2003 with that famous tackle on Todd Burns. But, yeah, Vale, Johnny Sattler. Yes, mate. I, I am old enough to remember John Sattler playing. I do remember him as a, a very tough man. He was a man of, I think you'd say, contrasting personalities in that he, he was a, a very gentle, softly spoken man off the field, but on the field... He he really was a beast of a player. Mm-hmm. Like played the game ultra aggressive, 
Um, and that was back in the days when if you were in the front row playing rugby league, you really had to have a, a mean streak as part of your game. And it was one of those, it, it was those times where you wouldn't get players staying down to look for penalties. Oh, There'd be, if, if you copped a cheap shot, you just make sure that you saw who it was. So you can get one back. <laughs> and, and, and get one back. And, and really, in the case of that grand final, it was, it was a matter of, like, it's, it is unfathomable to think that you played out the match with a broken jaw. Was... But also, he, he had a, a pretty awesome pack of forwards that were gathering around him and, and making sure that he could get through the match as well. So, um, and if you've ever seen footage of the incident that led to the, the broken jaw, you can see what I mean about how rugby, rugby league was played back then. So, you Somewhat know, it was... Crazily, yeah. that game was versus Manly, wasn't it? Yes. And yes. That, that is South Sydney's opponents this week. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it's, um, yeah. It's, isn't it, you, the coincidences, the the way the universe often is that, uh, you know, you, you don't, uh, it's hard to put it into words when you end up in with a scenario where a, a famous player passes away. And the, probably the thing they're most remembered for is for the bravery in playing through a, a match like that. And it's, yeah, the very week that that happens, you've got, the team that he played for um, taking on the uh, their opponent from that grand final. It, yeah, it's Crazy, just amazing right? how, the, how the universe works like that. And but, yeah, send our regards to all, all the people who are close to um, John Sattler, whether it be uh, family, friends, uh, yeah, other people in the rugby league community. It's, um, yeah, it's never, it's never no, a great never time. Never happy is it to see you know, one of the former greats or just a former player in general passing on, but that's how life works, unfortunately. And uh, speaking of unfortunate, not unfortunate, I suppose this is more fortunate, we're never going to see another Johnny Sattler because of the changes to the game, which is a follow-up to the story last week's 60s uh, with the concussion protocol advances. If you break your jaw for a high shot or, or a cheap shot, you're, you're getting caught off the field for a Cat 1 concussion now. Uh, but we spoke about last week, that mandatory 11-day stand-down if you fail a Cat 1 uh, concussion or if you show symptoms by, after your Cat 2 uh, check through the week and you can't get through the, the symptoms, which I believe we haven't had official word, but I think Jack Murchie might have been uh, part of that 11-day stand-down period uh, mandate now because he's not in the team list. But uh, as a follow-up to that, the NRL has sort of flagged expansion of top 30 rosters in 2024 to a top 38. With, uh, and I believe uh, Jason Demetrio was saying that dev players are available from round one now. So there's there's obviously been some uh, not seismic, but some uh, significant changes to the way squads play out logistically as uh, players get potentially stood down for their own health. Yeah, so that's that's the case now, is it? The dev, dev players are available. Uh, Jason Demetrio uh, mentioned at some point in a, a media presser or media call in the last week that dev players have been available since round one, if I'm not mistaken. So... How does that also translate to uh, players under contract at at the club, but who are say a you know jersey flag, tier, yeah, or like tier, tier, you know, second tier sort of players? Uh, Not sure, mate. Yeah, uh, because 
we obviously used Isaac Lumi in round one. Yes. And maybe maybe they're just yeah much more amendable to using those players given the significant tolls uh, in terms of attrition that are going to be taken on clubs. With well, well, I was going to say, we got Brendan Hands this week as well, which we'll talk about um, when we get to the NRL preview. So um, is it just me? Like, I, I feel like I try to keep on top of what's happening in the NRL and changes in rules and things like that. But if that's the case, that, Development contract players are available. It was, from nev- it was never. It was never put out publicly to, like you know, Joe Blows like me and you. That was obviously an internal missive. Uh, we, I, I definitely don't see anything about dev players being available from round one. My understanding was it was still that round ten cutoff, where you could use your dev and second tier players freely. But, yeah, you. I don't know. You just it, it things like that. I think should be newsworthy well, it, within the NRL. Exactly. Media. It's almost like a state of the game address at the start of a season isn't it you know, yes here, here are all the things we're doing uh you know this is the judiciary this is the uh you know in terms of top 30 slash dev squad uh availability this is the rule changes instead we get sort of like piecemeal things we got the uh, bunker changes we got you know interpretation changes and stuff here but yeah it feels like there needs to be a annual sort of before round one state of the game post where all these little sort of details and minutia uh, uh you know tracked so, you know, whether you're media, whether you're, you know, new media, like, new media like us, where we're not, you know, in the press or in the print, you know, you can actually be informed because, yeah. Well, <laughs> and the, of course, the other thing is too, it, it also, we have dates that change about when you have to have um, 28 players signed up on your cap, 29 players, 30 players signed up on the cap. I think uh, like everything in terms of dates, and sizes of squads and anything relating to that. I, I'm with you. I think there should be like a, a state of the nation type statement that's put out so it is clear for the rugby league public and may, and not just for select media or not just for the clubs. But, yeah, it just it feels like if there's a lot of people out there who don't know and even even some of the things that we think we're clear about, there's a lot of people out there that follow the game that don't know. And it just feels like it hasn't been made clear whether there's been some minor thing that's been put out and it, and it skipped by a lot of people, whatever the case may be. It, I think it needs to be clarified at the start of every season so that the people who enjoy the game and whether it be you know, people like ourselves or people who'd only have a passing interest in the game, but people who enjoy the game are clear about what what rules and what dates and anything that applies to this upcoming season. And of course, the adjacent conversation to the expansion of the top 30 to a top 38 is on match day, should we have a corresponding expansion of the interchange or at least a, a limited expansion where maybe you keep your four core players that can be used freely to interchange on and off uh, the way league does rather than union, but then you have an expansion of whether it's plus two, plus three, plus four union-style players that can come in but cannot then be subbed in and out. I don't know. Like If, if players are getting ruled out due to Cat 1 concussions, do you need more resources on game day now, 60s? Well, I think that you're probably going to start to get to the point where the NRLs will talk about a 19th player 
honestly, I think it has to get to that stage because we've had the situations where interchange benches have been uh, very scarce once the players have been lost, not just to concussion, but to other injuries. Mm-hmm. And once you start getting into having to uh, have a HIA and players going off, if you've got nobody on the bench, it's and pretty it's not, unfair. It's, that It's not really a system you can rot to because if you're playing to win, you're not budging for your 18th and 19th players to be the impact players in a game, aren't you? You're picking your best 17, and then those guys are the next best in terms of just covering injuries. So, yeah, absolutely I'm, correct. Absolutely, I'm, I'm definitely open up. I'm definitely sorry, open to expansion of the bench, or whether it's the 18th, 19th players uh, being more available via injury or concussion. But yeah, it's probably a conversation that's going to be expedited in the coming weeks and months as a. Uh, this, these new Cat 1 rules start to take a play or take a toll in a good way. Right? When I say take a toll, I don't mean it negatively. Uh, on clubs, uh, you know, to, to protect players. So definitely one to watch. And I think that's about it for the news this week, mate. Like I said, short but serious. Uh, let's get into our combined review slash preview segment for the Parramatta Reels. We'll just do go grade by grade, do a quick look back at what happened on the weekend for them and then go into their previews. Uh, one team that we're not going to be... Oh, we, we can preview, but we don't have a team sheet in front of us right now. Uh, but a very good week for the Lisa Fiola Cup team. 60s are out there at Brookvale, where they absolutely pasted the Manly Seagulls to the tune of what I believe was 50 to nil. Yeah. They play on a different level to the first two opponents that they've had in the Sharks and the Sea Eagles. They obviously, they're a well-coached team. They are, there's a lot of pace, there's a lot of power. And very early on in that match last week, they just controlled the middle of the field. The, the first set of six, they just rumbled up the field, took control there, um, shifted the ball right, then shifted the ball left. There was a massive overlap, they scored. I mean, that was, that was literally what was seen in the, in the first set of the game. And it was obvious that it was going to be a, an absolute rout of, the Sea Eagles from there, and that's not meant as being disparaging in any way to the Sea Eagles. It is, it is just that at the moment there was a gulf between the Parramatta Eels and the first two opponents yeah. that they've had. As I said, it's a, it's a combination of power and pace and a team that really does play like a team. And, um, yeah, for anyone that gets a chance to get out there early to Cabramatta, this week to watch them in action please do so they're the first game at nine o'clock this week and uh can I also say that were it not for the long period of time between the shots at goal and the kickoff through the match I reckon there was conservatively 20 minutes of play that was lost last week because yes it was hot conditions and uh, it seemed like the Seagulls weren't in any hurry to get back for the kickoff. And it felt like an eternity between when the uh, attempt to goal was taken and when the kickoff happened. So, um, it, look, the, the score could have been a lot higher there. So um, I, I think the referee was um, yeah, allowing a bit of time because of the conditions. Um uh, the the games are played in 20-minute thirds as well. So people getting out to the games, just be aware of that. They play in 20-minute thirds. 
and I think that that really allows for uh, a, a good drinks break in the warmer conditions every 20 minutes, and it's a good stepping stone for the girls as this is part of their they're under 17s. It's their pathway to um, the Tasha Gale Cup. And for our under 16s boys development squad, it's been a very good program up until this weekend. They've been, uh, I think, undefeated with some really strong wins, but missing a few key players here and there of uh, several boys promoted to the actual Harold Matthews program and a couple of players out due to wear and tear. Manly proved to be too good in the day. 60s running away with the win in this one. Yes, they they did play Manly during the the times that it was the trials period for the um, for the junior representative teams, and uh, Manly was successful on that day as well. They have a very good halfback in their development squad, and he was really the key to their success. And they were a very fast team as well. So the 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 Eels fought big back a bit towards the latter part of the game. And I think the thing to remember about that under-16s development squad is there's 40 players within that squad. And what they've looked to do is to share the playing opportunity around those 40 players. And coming into next year, when they become part of the uh, Harold Matthews team, they won't have a squad of 40. For the season, mm-hmm. it, it will be it will be narrowed down, and it will be the coaches. The coaches don't so much go into giving everyone an opportunity to play once you get into a, a competition format like the Harold Matthews is. You, you earn your spot in the team, and um, really, the the program for the under 16s development is to give people the opportunity to make an assessment about the talent that's there based on everyone getting an opportunity to shine, whether that be at training where they see their attitude and dedication or be uh, in match day with their execution in the play. They, they make, I guess it gives them a holistic um, assessment that they're able to make uh, about um, ability, attitude, that sort of thing. So it uh, be interesting to see um, the players that do progress into being in the Harold Matthews squad next year. There's a number of talented players that we've uh, we've become familiar with some of the names. I think it's unfair to start quoting some of the names that we've become familiar with. But, um, yeah, looking forward to seeing how they progress next year. And, of course, no Tash Gow last week. They were on the bye, so they secured the two points without having to lift a finger. Uh, but for the Harold Matthews, that was the next game in line posting a very comfortable 30-10 to 10 victory over the Manly Seagulls. We mentioned in our preview podcast last week, 60s, that surprisingly, given that they've been so strong in the junior reps in recent years, I think that the Harold Matts and CSG Ball teams for the Seagulls had one combined win between the two teams. So the Eels needed to bank good wins against the Seagulls this week, and they went out and did that. For the Eels, it was Luria Marokasuka who opened the scoring. Zadis Mwanga Tutia then bagged the double, second of which was a cracking individual try uh, in very... Uh, Short period, he scored them 10 and 13 minutes. They were sort of within three minutes of each other. Corey Lay and Mikhail Tito adding on the uh, final two tries. Don Ferrugia, uh, alongside Alicia Bell, continues to be an absolute ace from the kicking tee. Five from five. Uh, what a you know luxury to have in a junior rep team, having Bell and Ferrugia just kicking at 90% or whatever it is they're doing right now. Absolutely insane. Uh, but yeah, uh, a good but not necessarily uh, outstanding win. But that's exactly what we asked of them, wasn't it? Just to round into good form coming into the back end of a season, 
and bank those two points with some points differential. Yeah, and look, I think you've uh, you you mentioned the um, the the game that was played by Zadis. He is he's a real eyes up dummy half. He's background in he touch will, football, right? Yeah, and and you can see that element of his game coming out each week. Um, as you mentioned, two two tries that the solo effort was an ab- absolute pearler of a try. Um, also, a shout out. I, I thought that uh, Corey Lee had a very good game in in this match. So he, he scored a a try himself. At, uh, the fullback, manly fullback, took the odds that when he when he breaks broke through that he was going to get the ball off to Rokasuka as he did earlier in the game for a try and uh, fullback was trying to cover both. He's he's faked the pass and he's he's gone off himself, run about forty meters to score next to the post. But yeah, I thought he I thought he had a very good game as well. They've built since that opening round loss where. I'm I'm still shaking my head that they lost to the <laughs> Roosters in that first round. I know they had the, the Roosters had Zach Fittler who played a very good game, and the back rower in that was was for the Roosters was very good as well. But the Eels were a 12 to 18 point better team than the Roosters on that day, and since then they've now gone on to be undefeated, and they've got two rounds left. Uh, to consolidate where they sit at the moment, sit at the equal top of the ladder at the moment. So, um, yeah, the, basically the ball's in their court. They yep. they get these last two wins. Top two, finish, maybe top, top two. one finish. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, which is vital in the in the, the way the final series is structured, where the top two teams get a buy in the first week of the finals. Basically, go straight through to the grand final qualifier. So, um, um, yeah. Big week ahead for them. The final Junior Reps review before we get into the preview of the next week of Junior Reps action. SG Ball prevailing 38-18 to 18 over the Seagulls out of four pines. Uh, Eagles dropped, jumped out, sorry, to an early lead care of a couple of our, what, second, third, fourth generation players in Fulton and Hopawati. So they got out to the early lead, but then the Eagles reined them in. Patty Spence, Charlie Geimer, Muhammad Al-Madin, Geimer bagging his second in the 26, followed by Devonto Vivella, Dom Destratus and Tavaka Palu putting the Icing on the cake in the 63rd minute. Ethan Sanders reasonably sharp off the tee, five from seven. Uh, looking at the highlights of this one, 60s. A uh, couple of funny tries in this one, actually. The bounce of the ball and whatnot, but uh, Eels too classy on the day, doing exactly, again, what they need to do to get the win and go plus 20 on the ladder in terms of points differential. Yeah, they they wouldn't have been happy with the tries that they let Manly score early in the game. Some really soft barge over ones, weren't they? Yeah, and it was... I don't know whether that snapped them into action, but when Parramatta wanted to respond, they really did. And um, I thought Ethan Sanders had uh, an absolutely cracking game. He was his his he's warming into the season more and more with every game that's that's passing. Um, obviously, as well, uh, Matty Arthur. He's instrumental to what happens around the ruck. His decision to go blindside with a play, uh, I think it was the last tackle, where they he ran the ball from about 30 metres out and linked, and uh, I think from memory put uh, Vivella through, yes. who linked 
with Alamedine for the try in the corner. Just just moments like that where, much like um, we spoke about Muagatutia with his eyes up football, that's really what uh, Matty Arthur is renowned for as well. Just he, you can see every time he goes into dummy half, he's he's looking at at where where the opposition are in defence. He's counting numbers. He's working out. Uh, he knows in his mind what's what, where it's best to go, and he's obviously getting calls from his halves, especially with um, when you've got Ethan Sanders there, who is more experienced uh, because he played last season up in the Jersey Flag. Mm-hmm. So you'd you'd want Ethan Sanders to be playing the sort of football that he is now, considering he was one of the players of the season, if not the player of the season in the Jersey Flag team last year. You can imagine when he's uh, responsibilities are finished for the SG ball that he'll be up in Jersey flag at the end of the um, SG ball season. So let's switch over to previews for the junior reps 60s. We look forward to what is what round eight in the junior reps. I believe it is now. If I just get this right here, I believe it's round eight. It is round eight. I was right. Yeah. So with just two weeks of action left, the Eels are now looking to solidify at the very minimum toxic top six berths in all three grades if not potentially minor premiership contention. Let's start with the Tasha Gale 60s. They come off the bye on the outside of the top six on points differential by eight point, no, 12 points. There we go. Uh, with Canberra Raiders ahead of them. But this is now 7v5, Eels versus Panthers. All these games against Penrith, by the way, in all all three junior grades, all three senior grades, with a lot of stakes, especially in the juniors. Uh, but, yeah, the seventh-place Eels host the fifth-place Pan- fifth Panthers. This is one. This one's out at New Era Stadium. Kicking off at, if I just get my notes here, uh, 10.30 a.m. Lisa Fiola will be on, what, uh, 9 o'clock, 60s? Yes. Yeah, so if you want to get at the early 9 o'clock for Lisa Fiola, into 10.30 a.m. kickoff for the Tasha Gale. Uh, quickly for the team list, you've got Debbie Dwight, one of the two captains. She's at fullback. Alicia Bell and Hallie Bell on the flanks. Caitlin Peard and Lindsay Tui in the centres. Charlotte Cawthorn, Talara Bamblett, a 5'8 and halfback, respectively, in the front row. It's Layla Dimmick and Kanye Maramulu as the bookends. Ashley Pottinger. The other co-captain of the team, she's at dummy half. Khaleesi Mahe, Bella Sanford, and Micaiah Darcy in the back row. Casey Q, Mela Akawala, Lala, Layla Black, Kayana Lakani, and Sarah Paula Ali as the reserve player. Off the bye 60s, we're looking for them to be energised and recharged, but it's always hard to get a gauge of how a team's going to come off the week off, but uh, hopefully the girls are in, in good form the way they were heading off the bye, or heading into the bye, sorry. Right, um, first of all, I think just off the top of my head, that that team might be as close as they can get to, to full, full strength, strength, pretty much. Yeah. This, this season, I'm, I'm, and I, I say this season because they they do have one or two players that uh, unfortunately won't take the field this season. So I think that's as strong as they're going to be able to name. Just that's good time just to be healthy. Thinking. Yeah, um, and really, it, in them being placed seventh at the moment, that. That came down to their their match the other week where there were two intercepts taken by the Cronulla Sharks that turned uh, the would, match what around. What would have been a pretty solid win into a narrow, narrow defeat. That's right. That's right. The first, the first one was really as the Eels were about to cross themselves for a try and it ended up about an 80, 90 metre effort for the Sharks winger and just the way that she took the intercepts made me think to myself that she's 
done that before. Like probably the again a background in touch football where you can go hunting for the intercepts, you know, depending on the level of your playing. Uh, but yeah, like you mentioned when you were doing the the review of that one, you haven't really seen people sharking for intercepts, if you pardon the pun there, given the team she played for. Uh, but hunting for those intercepts in the line in the uh, the female space, but it's definitely going to be something you're going to start seeing the rise as the players get more used to being aggressive defensively. Yeah, uh, so they're really paying the the penalty for that in terms of the immediate impact that that had on their table placing. So their future is, however, obviously when they're playing the fifth place Panthers, their future is in their hands. They win this week and win the win the following week. They play finals football. Yeah, no, no doubt is about making the finals exactly. So yeah, yeah, take care. They business. they lose this week. They're in in big trouble. You're banking so, on results and then a big win in round nine. So yeah. Yeah, don't do that. Get the job done against the Panthers this week and hold your own future in your own hands. Yeah, and I think with the uh, with the batteries recharged, any niggling injuries out of the way, and um, and the the spine functioning as it is, um, because they 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 have a very good spine in the uh, Tasha Gale Cup. Uh, I'm expecting that they will bounce back for a win. Um, from memory, they beat the Panthers in the trial. I believe, I believe so. I can't recall hundred percent though. Yeah, so I'd have to I'd have to double check that. But um, yeah, so uh, actually, I think they. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that no. I might have to double check that. But um, look, I'm expecting that they that they will uh, bounce back against the Panthers at home. So um, yeah. As I said, destiny's in their own hands. We move on to the second Junior Reps fixture of the day in the Harold Matthews Cup, kicking off at 12 o'clock p.m. The second-place Eels hosting the fourth-place Panthers. You talk about big games. does not get much bigger than that at this time of the season. For the Eels, you've got Corey Lay at fullback, Don Ferruja and Aidan Kaborian on the flanks, Jack Nicholas, Lockie Vella in the centres, Junior Fungalele partners Lorenzo Talatina in the halves, Jordan Uta, Mikhail Tito with the props, Zadis Mongatutia, we've already wrapped him, but he's a dummy half. In the back row, Anthony Abdo, Captain Josiah Finaluta, and then the tireless Tyson Sangalang at lock forward. Interchange, Lockie Kornakis, Ocean Vivella, big inclusion this week. He's back. Lincoln Fletcher, Mason Ong, the reserve is Lewis Saad. Yeah, 2v460s. Eels chasing the Canterbury Bulldogs only on points differential here. Uh, the Dogs have a one-loss record, much like the Eels, much like the Raiders, much like the Panthers, who have also drawn a game, though. So they're a half-win behind those other three teams. Eels on 70 points of differential, Dogs on 78. So razor-thin margin at the top of the ladder here. You win and you win well, and you got one hand on that minor premiership. It wasn't a great trial against the Panthers earlier this year. It was probably the most disappointing performance that I had seen from the Eels' Harold Matt side, especially as the week before they had beaten... The Bulldogs. I think that was the order of the Correct. trial. Correct. Bulldogs the other way around. Yep. So the Bulldogs have gone on to prove themselves to be a a uh, strong contender in the Harold Mats. The Panthers. Uh, I guess in a way that they have proved that trial form to be correct, but the 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 Eels just didn't match them for energy that day. The Parramatta started off very strongly. And then about halfway through the first half of 
of that trial, um, they just, it was almost like they went to sleep and the Panthers just ran riot through the middle. And then, and then as they started running right through the middle, they started hitting the edges. And um, yeah, it was a very convincing victory that they had over Parramatta. So again, such an important game, uh, penultimate round, get through this, consolidate the position near the top of the table. And uh, look, if they, if they play to the best of their ability, and especially with Ocean Vivella coming back into the team, You'd be expecting them to do well against the Panthers, but uh, man, the, you know, based on what I saw from the Panthers earlier this year, they will be a challenge. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And speaking of challenges, SG Ball, we had 2v4 in the mats, well, 2v3 in the SG Ball, second place Eels hosting the third place Panthers. Both teams sitting on six wins, one loss, two points separating them in points differential. Eels 72 or plus 72, Panthers plus 70. <laughs> what a. Uh, Wow, like two just equally matched teams in terms of all the stats there. Uh, the Eels being uh, slightly better offensively, but slightly worse defensively to the Panthers. But once again, those points differential, uh, you know, being right in the same margin, uh, sort of ballpark there. For the Eels, just going for the team was quickly. Uh, a couple of big outs this week, though, 60s in the middles at least. Uh, started at fullback Apatweedle, Tavaka Palu, Devonta Vivella, that's the back three right there. Richard Penasini and Blaze Talangi. What are two uh, massive ins in terms of the back line? And what a embarrassment of Richards and the playmaking stakes to have a player like Blaze in the centres. And that's because you've got Ethan Sanders and Josh Lynn in the halves who have been so good for the Eels this year. In the front row, Jack Burrows gets a start alongside Saxon Pryke, Matty Arthur at dummy half. So you're missing uh, Sam Tulvati, Lance Fulima and LeBron Tuala this week. So that's three of your sort of uh, big beefy boys there out in the sidelines. In the back row, you've got the Destratus boys, Dom and Raf on each edge. Charlie Guyman captains the team from lock forward. On the interchange, Paddy Spence, after holding down that centre spot for weeks and doing such a good job, goes back to being the utility on the bench, where he's joined by William Lewis, Sebastian Piacala, and Kobe Herford. Sam Squire is the reserve. So some big outs in the middles, some big ins in the back line, and it's going to make a very, very interesting sort of backstory to this game. Can the Eels match it in the forwards? Uh, going to be a big big day for Jack Burrows, Saxon Pryke, Charlie Geimer, uh, Seb Piacala, Kobe Herford off the bench. Uh, I think because William Lewis, William Lewis usually plays on an edge, so do they push him onto the edge and then bring someone like Dom into the lock forward role when he comes in? There's a few ways they can play it out here. But you've got to match the Panthers in the middle and then give that outstanding back line a chance to shine uh, on the back of it. Well, defending premiers, the Panthers in the SG ball, they were uh, that was part of their... Uh, much vaunted uh, four titles that they won last year, first grade, reserve grade, uh, flag and SG ball. Uh, Obviously, there are players that have gone up in a grade from the SG ball team, so they've um, it's not exactly the same team. But we witnessed the Eels win very well in the trial at the start of the year up at Windsor. Yeah, the outs worry me. The ins, the ins, I'm happy about, but that's also first match back uh, when when it comes to the returning players. So, I think on balance, we lose a bit in in missing the some of the big boppers in the middle. Such a crucial match. Um, yeah, look, if our key players around the spine keep playing as they have done. And providing they get the platform to play off, then 
I see a victory there, but a lot of respect for Penrith and they've obviously gone on with it. And when you talk about that differential, that's basically a missed conversion by an opponent uh, that's given Parramatta uh, the that second place at the moment. And Manly scored two late tries in the SG ball clash last week and didn't convert them. Um, one or both conversions going over and it's uh, Penrith sitting second and the Eels sitting third. So that's how close the yep. the uh, the race is there. Yeah, so this is one of those four-point games, isn't it, 60s, in terms of a top-two finish. Lots to play for the Parramatta Eels. Let's move on into the Jersey flag. While the NRL dropped their bundle against Manly, the flag got their first win of the season in the corresponding game against the Manly Seagulls with a 22-16 comeback victory uh, against Manly. The Eels got the first try care of Toro Williams, but then Manly uh, went bang-bang to get the lead back. But Ned Hicks and a double to Lindsay Munro proved to be enough to get the Eels home on the back of Riley Lacks, free from four off the tee. Uh, a few Simbins in this game, I believe. I uh, know Jock Brazel was being in the 17th minute. I think maybe Manly have one in return. Uh, but yeah, good to see the Eels finally go on and get a win. 60s. This one was out at HE Laybutt Field. And uh, you lose one fullback getting promoted to the New South Wales Cup. And it's really nice to have another fullback come in and do a great job like Munro did. Mate, Munro was, he was a real live wire. That was the first time that I'd seen him play. Evidently, he trialled earlier in the preseason. Uh, he, yeah, to me, he was close to the difference in the teams. He's a very, very lightweight um, sort of in, in, in the mould of like mould of Bevan French, right? One of those guys that is electric, but not necessarily the biggest body. Ah, uh, a lot smaller than Bevan French. Um, you were literally talking about um, what was the name of the the Bulldogs halfback uh, McGrady? You and McGrady, yeah, that won the Rothmans Medal. Let's let's talk about that sort of build. Uh, playing fullback. So uh, real live why you could imagine him playing in and around the halves as well. That's the, that's the sort of build, that's the sort of electricity that he had about his game. Evidently had been playing around the MacArthur region yep. in the, um, uh, for whatever group that is. I don't know off the top of my head, but anyway, uh, so that's where they picked him up from. He's uh, yeah. So he proved the difference in that game, a uh, shout out also. Look, I thought that um, uh, Brock Parker was uh, was great in that game. Um, I thought that Nick Lanaz was he was an absolute dynamo at lock. He yeah. had shifted. We we talked in the preview about him shifting from dummy half to mm-hmm. lock. I thought uh, he he just brought such energy. Bit a, both bit of a fiend in defense, wasn't he? Cutting down oh. people aggressively. Always love to see that and lock forward and that ability to be an aggressive lock forward that can also be a deputy dummy half is pretty handy. So good part of the team yeah. there, Nick Lenars, and good to see him really taking that lock role for his own. Yeah, and uh, yeah, very solid uh, contribution from. Jock Brazel, who was surprisingly sin binned for a late uh, hit, right? Uh, well, I think he, I think he was he was sin binned for tackling a player without not in possession. Yeah. So I think he was actually penalised for um, for an early tackle, uh, which it wasn't, and I think the footage would demonstrate that. And then he, the sin bin, I think, was because the referee said that it was in a try scoring situation. So I thought maybe he'd given a bit of lip to the 
uh, referee, but, but no, it was professional foul. Yes, yeah, and yeah. Uh, it was just a that was a wrong call, and it was just part of a string of tough calls that the Eels had to overcome in winning that game. So full credit to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, out in the back line, also, I thought Terrell Williams had a had a, a pretty good game as well. Yep. And we go to the preview portion for the flag as they host the Penrith Panthers. That's the final game out at New Era on Saturday, part of that mammoth block of games. Uh, this one kicks off at 3.15pm. Uh, so you've got, what, one, two, three, four, five games. Uh, I don't even know if you have to pay for entry these days out at New Era 60, so you're going to get your money's worth if you go out there and watch some junior football. Uh, but the Eels hosting the Panthers in this grade, uh, looking at the team with Lindsay Munro gets a reprise his role at fullback. Matt Komalafi, Lene Federica on the wings. You mentioned him just then, but Terrell Williams, a partner, Will Latu in the centres. Mac Porfisi, Riley Lack are the two playmakers in six and seven. Brock Parker, Jonte Jr., Beth and Mesa, part of a very solid front row pairing there. Jacob Davis, a dummy half. Captain of the team is Jock Brazel on one edge, Max Tupo on the other. Nick Linares rounds out the starting forward pack at lock. On the interchange, Noah Reed, Lachlan Mears-Crab, Nikau Raffle, and Ned Hicks, Tyson Chase, the reserve player. I mean... Coming into this game, just looking at the ladder very quickly. Eels now in eighth place, Panthers in fifth. Uh, one win for both teams. So Panthers haven't had the best start. One win, one loss, one bye. Uh, Eels one win, two losses. So not too hot themselves, but coming off that last start win. And Penrith always very good in this grade, but maybe, just maybe, you can jump them in this week. They're not, you know, raging red-hot form right now. Uh, this might be a good time to get them. Uh, look, it may well be, but I, uh, like always, when you're playing the Panthers in the lower grades, you are needing to be playing at your best rugby league for for any, to be any hope of getting a win on that in this grade. So uh, that's how, as you mentioned, New Era Stadium. It's part. It's tagged on to the junior reps matches. So if you get out there for the junior reps, you also get the Jersey flag match. Uh, kicking off just after three from memory. And the reason it's part of the junior rep fixtures is because the New South Wales Cup is being played as the curtain raiser to the NRL this week. Let's wind back the clock quickly, though. New South Wales Cup also booking in their first win after taking down the, I always hate saying this, but the Blacktown Workers Sea Eagles, what an abomination of a name, uh, winning 30-22. to 22, A big comeback victory here for the Eels in Reggie's. Uh, Manly got the first two tries and then were leading, I think, 16-6 at one point. Uh, with only the Zach Sini try to put the Eels on the board. But that was followed by a barrage of tries from Dan Keir, Dejan Arzi, Hayes Dunster and Isaac Lumi Lumi. Jordan Rankin going five from five off the tee to put the icing on the cake here. Uh, yeah, slow start for the Eels, but they rounded home in form. Uh, a couple of opp- uh, opportunistic tries, in particular that final one for Isaac Lumi Lumi. I think he scooped up a loose pass and just raced away to book it. But... Uh, he also found himself in the Simbin for a high shot in the 10th minute, which I also believe has got him sitting out this week, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But regardless of how they got there, important to get that first win and hopefully they can use it to harness a bit of momentum, 60s. Yes, and uh, shout out to Jaden Yates, uh, relentless worker in that match. Um, Arfamil Stephen making his senior debut or yes, open age yeah. debut. Yeah, he, he played exceptionally well at fullback. Um First also, Jake Arthur, Arthur was, uh, was was very very strong in the halfback position there, um, and and we also saw Wiramu Greg uh, playing up. in that match, mm-hmm. and his charges were uh, really phenomenal in in both stints out on the field. So, 
Um, yeah, and uh, you've got their team list for this week, mate. Yeah, quickly going over to the team list this week. Uh, a couple of big inclusions, whether it's guys being dropped or just being back. Uh, so starting at 5.20pm kickoff, unfortunately the first half clashing of that pregame show we're doing, you already mentioned 60s. But Alphamil Stephen, he's back at fullback this week. Joshua Minhinnick is on one wing as the Eels' depth on the flanks is tested due to that suspension to Lumi Lumi. But Hayes Dunster, who's starting to round in some good form, holds down the other side. Dejan Arce, Zaxini, unchanged centre pairing. Rankin and Arthur in the halves. In the front row, you've got Ofihiki Ogden and Luca Moretti. Mm-hmm. Mitch Rain comes into the starting team because Brendan Hans has been called into the NRL. We'll talk about that in that preview. Tony Mattielli, he continues his strong run of form starting on the uh, left edge, I believe it is. Uh, Dan Keir on the opposite. Jerome Mamacia drops back to the New South Wales Cup this week. He'll start at lock forward. Jaden Yates, Nico Apelu, Tavita Talmapenu, and the big hyphen, Jonte Junior Beffermeza. He's listed in both grades, but so was Brock Parker last week, and this is probably going to depend on his usage on Thursday. If he's got light usage, you can back up into the jersey flag. If he's got heavy usage or moderate usage, I'll have to find a player to replace him. But as it stands, Jonte on the team for Thursday night kickoff. Yeah, look, mate, I'm... I'm expecting that this is going to be um, maybe not necessarily the the match that could get the Eels on a bit of a run here because the New South Wales Cup team is really subjected to uh, subject to the injuries and form of the first grade team. But based on how they fought back last week under adversity. And again, just like the Jersey flag, they didn't have a whole lot going their way. Uh, but uh, look, I'm expecting that they're going to put up a, a, a strong performance this week. I think they will be buoyed by that win last week, seeing their reactions to being able to get the victory. Uh, I think it meant, it meant quite a lot to them. It was, um, you know, the, the bench was up. It was, uh, yeah, they were really, really happy with that win, and I don't. And I'm not talking about happy like rest on your laurels. I think it was a <laughs> an important win to get. Yeah, and of course that brings us to our main event, which will be Sands Sixties, who has some real life commitments he has to rush off to. So I will run you through the preview for the NRL on my lonesome, but that's fine. Let's start with the Penrith Panthers. Very formidable lineup. They're coming off the bye, one of those quirks of the NRL scheduling, as it were. Uh, Dylan Edwards at fullback, Sunia Taruva and Brian To'o on the flanks, Isaac Tungo, Stephen Crichton in the centres. Very, very good backline, it has to be said. Moving on to the halves, Jerome Luai, Nathan Cleary. Front row, Moses Leota, Mitch Kenny, James Fisher-Harris. All class there. Perhaps a question mark over Mitch Kenny, who's more of a worksman-like hooker, uh, as they try to replace Appy Corusau in the aggregate between Kenny and Sonny Luke. In the back row, though, Luke Garner, Liam Martin, Isaiah Yo. Martin and Yo Yang, uh, mainstays, sorry, not Yangstays, got the uh, Isaiah Yo alliteration going on there. Uh, but Martin and Yo mainstays of that forward pack. Luke Garner, the recruit from the Tigers. On the interchange, I mentioned him already, but Sony Luke, Scott Sorensen, Spencer Lenu, and Jamin Salmon. The shadow roster of extended bench, Matthew Eisenhut, Zach Hosking, Tyron Peachy, Jack Cogger, and Tom Jenkins. Very, very good team. I know they were upset by the Brisbane Broncos in round one in a 13-12 loss, but it turns out the Broncos... Looking pretty good across the first three rounds. So certainly a, a quality loss, if you want to talk about it in that regard, for the Panthers. And they're coming out fresh and fired up from this bye. Steel's going to have to match that tempo early on and don't let them get too far ahead. For the Eels, though, not too many changes. There is uh, one notable one I already mentioned, but there's also the inclusion of Ryan Madison. We start in the back line where there are no changes. Captain the team from fullback Clinton Gufferson, Mike Acevo, Bowie Simons and the wingers. Will Penasini, Wonga Blake in the centres, Dylan Brown, Mitchell Moses, the two halves, 
Reagan Campbell-Gillard, Josh Hodgson and Junior Barlow in the front row. Bryce Cartwright, Ryan Madison, welcome back. He's on the uh, other edge, so Bryce left, uh, Ryan Madison, sorry, right. Jermaine Hopgood at lock forward on the interchange. Matt Dury slides back where he joins the rotation where he's also joined by Brendan Hands, Wiri McGregor and Makahesi Makatoa. Brendan Hands obviously on debut. He's going to be the utility capable of playing in the halves, dummy half and even lock forward in that small ball role. I do believe in this game he will be probably deputising, you'd have to think, Josh Hodgson at dummy half. But if things do go pear-shaped elsewhere, he does give the Eels cover or coverage to be pretty flexible with their bench. Interchange, or the extended interchange, sorry, Jake Arthur, Jeremiah Masia, Offa Hickey Ogden, Tony Mattaielli, and Hayes Dunster. Uh, it looks like Hayes is rounding closer to being in contention for that NRL spot as he gets back to full fitness in Reggie's, but not quite there yet. But doing a good job. Good to see Tony Mattaielli as part of the extended roster too. Being very sharp in Reggie's and is probably one of the young forwards to watch. So, yeah, a couple of changes there for the Parramatta Reels. But, yeah, the preview portion of this, and why I'm talking about it on my lonesome is uh, pretty simple, guys. Uh, the Eels have been their own worst enemies across the first three weeks. They've lost each game by four points, and they could have easily been winning by double-digit figures on the back of clunky defense, poor execution and offense, and an inability to get to their kick consistently. Completion rates being well below that 80% threshold that we set as an elite uh, benchmark for what we you know perceive to be an elite team. And unfortunately, particularly last week, the Eels down, I think, at 60%, which is just not good enough. Uh, and yeah, it's broad strokes, you know, coaching or, or armchair coaching, and it's very obvious stuff to say, but that is literally where the Eels are at, is complete your sets, you know, take take better efficient uh, cracks at scoring, and you're going to win a lot more games, even against the likes of the Melbourne Storm, Cronulla Sharks, and Manly Seagulls. And that's going to come to the fore this week against the reigning premiers, the reigning back-to-back premiers, by the way. Uh, so they, they can't afford to slip up, because as you'll see in 60s tips just shortly, which I managed to record before you had to depart, uh, you know he's got the Panthers as a, a real possibility of running away with this game, and I agree. Uh, I think the Eels probably win narrowly if they win. I'd love to see a blowout win, obviously, but if the Eels are going to win, it's going to be in a single-digit margin. But the Panthers, by you know, the flip side, are very likely to win and win well. So you cannot afford those slip-ups defensively through the middle down that left edge. You cannot afford to squander scoring opportunities like we've seen across the first three weeks, and you certainly cannot afford to turn the ball over uh, in plus territory for the Panthers. So getting to that kick is imperative. Uh, trying to box the likes of Dylan Edwards and Brian Toto deep in their own red zone, critical in this one. You just cannot give them free territory, spotting them with poor kicks or poor completions of sets or incompletions of sets, as it were. Yeah, and, and just shore up that fundamental football because if you defend well and you complete your sets, the, re- the this team will figure out the rest. They've got the attacking strike both in and out of structures to trouble the Panthers. We've seen that in the past, and... Certainly Jermaine Hopgood will be a huge part of that in his return to uh, his former, or return fixture against his former club, his junior club. Uh, and Ryan Madison will also boost deals down that right edge. Uh, no Jack Murchie is a hurt, or is a blow to the interchange, but hopefully he's back next week. But yeah, improve those fundamentals. That That is as basic as it is. And we'll go into more depth in the, the live preview tomorrow. Uh, but for now, let's get to 60s uh, picks for first try scorer, margin and best player. John, how I think this is going to play out this week, I'm expecting that it's going to be a high-scoring game again. Now, there's two ways that this could go. It's either going to be uh, that sort of four-point margin to either team or it falls apart for Parramatta in a big way against the Panthers. I'm going towards that 
you know, four-point margin either way. I'll go for a, a scoreline of something like 32 to 28. Again, it could go either way. I, I have to tip Parramatta because I think there is – I think we are going to see a really spirited effort this week, a very spirited effort. I, I don't have the confidence to in, in defence to say that it's going to be a tight, low-scoring game. Uh, my tip for first try scorer for the Eels – will be Gutho and um, my best on field, I'm going to give it to Josh Hodson this week. I think he's, I think with given a bit of a fresher up that he's likely to get from um, hands in the match, I think we'll see him really impact the game. And for myself, I know that Craig tipped a, a higher margin of victory. I think the Eels will tighten the screws a bit this week. If they're going to win, it's got to be on the back of a good defensive performance. I don't think you're going to be scoring 30-plus against that Penrith team, which means a 20-16 to 16 victory for the Parramatta Eels. He's got Josh Hodgson for best player on the park. I've got Josh Hodgson for first try scorer. Uh, I think maybe the, the crafty dummy half can spot a little crack of daylight near the goal line and get over, or maybe you know just go for on a deflected kick or something like that. Uh, for best on field, well... It's going to take huge efforts from any number of core players here. I'm going to go for Jermaine Hopgood against his former club. Uh, I think he hopefully won't get caught up in the feel of the need to overplay his hand and, and you know win the game by himself. And I think maybe that unfortunate instance last week of the Hamolo Olakowato interception will uh, not temper his offloads because I don't want to see that. I want to see him still be aggressive in offloading, but maybe lead to him being uh, just a, a fraction more selective. Uh, looking for Jermaine to have a really good game here. 2016 victory for the Eels. Josh Hodgson, first try scorer. On that note, let's wrap it up. Just myself, obviously, to close it out. So you're not going to get the go your Eels from Craig. But uh, we will be live 5.15pm tomorrow from Jack's Bar and Grill. There should be a companion live stream, which I'll have up in a post uh, for you guys to listen along from at home. Uh, but um, if not, you can't listen to that one. We'll catch you guys in the Instant Reaction review. Uh, hopefully for Paramount Eels win, obviously, but until then, stay safe. Catch you guys in the next episode.